This is Strategist, episode 1284. My name is Zane Velger. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Carter, you are so excited. I'm doing my Super Bowl dance. Corey, we could not hear that. We could not hear that at all. That's okay. Um, You'll hear We're it. recording this the audience as Mahomes gets the ball back. It's OT. It's 22-19. Okay. Um, no spoilers for those that are listening to this ahead of the Super Bowl. I, I mean, that feels like a spoiler. Well, if there right might there. be some. There might be some that that <laughs> PBR the Super Bowl for for some time in the summer. Uh, it's overtime. Hey, I want to I want int- to introduce myself to the person who decided that you know they had both the strategists and the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, that they could listen to tonight, and they said, you know, I'm going to go with the strategists first. No, I think I'm going to go with the strategists first. You know, just once again to remind you, and this has been a constant issue with the podcast. Uh, this is not live. And this this does get recorded. And every time you try to have people call in, it never works, Carter. You've had people try to call into the show for, for how many years now? Oh, years. Years. And how many people have we had successfully call into the podcast while we recorded? Now, in fairness, uh, too many. Because we asked Dan to do it, and he just showed up one day, and that was a disaster. Well, you, you remember took the that somewhere. disaster? No, I don't. I wasn't oh. there for it. I think it was, the reason he was there is because I Ooh. wasn't. We were live recording something, Corey, and and Dan just showed up, and it, what a gong show! Yeah, it was great. I'm glad I we've really decided never it. to have him on again. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Uh, I think he was the beginning of the end of guests. Um, yeah, Corey, you want to talk to us about your drink there? Yeah, it's quite something. And well, it's orange. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mix of things. Okay. It's going to be good. Are you mm-hmm. getting hammered yeah. on the show today? Because that'd be a good Well, I don't know. Episode. Maybe I will. Like, Maybe I like will. It's like a Rogan Musk episode. Let's move it on, folks. We got so much to talk about. We're going to stick it. We'll stick with our home province. And let's start with a story that may not be exactly what people are expecting, but I'm going to start with our first segment, Stephen Carter, Recall, Recall. Carter, is it time that we recall recall legislation here in Alberta, because of course I ask, uh, because Calgary's mayor, Jyoti Gondek, has been issued a recall petition, the low bar that was required uh, to to get the petition off the ground, now has the impossibly high bar uh, to succeed uh, based on um, the fact that a, a Calgary man has now started a petition, he needs more than half a million physical signatures on said petition to f- uh, f- successfully recall Jyoti Gondek. It is all but a foregone conclusion that that will not happen. But Stephen Carter, the campaign has already begun online. This is a in-person, physical, uh, signatory, yeah. event, uh, you know, uh, uh, petition. But of course, there's recallmaragondack.com or .ca. I forget which which uh, which uh, domain extension, but whichever one it isn't, uh, I'm, I'm sure we will uh, we will capture and uh, <laughs> be able to uh, do what we uh, want with it, Corey. Um, but Carter. Is it yeah. time we recall recall legislation? And then let me give you a bit of a track. I want to talk about that. And then I want to start talking about what a fight back strategy for the mayor and her allies could look like against something like this that will at least, at the very least, create a bit of a cloud over the no- next 55 some odd days. So that, and then we'll talk about the strategy. But Carter, your thoughts on recalling recall? Well, I think that recall is a 
is a bad idea. I mean, I, I we have an election every four years. Uh, four years is a reasonable period of time for a person to determine, you know, for a person to deliver on the promises that they make. Uh, two years may not be uh, an appropriate amount of time. And realistically, with the bar that we've set so high, there is no recall. There is no recall legislation. What there is, is an excuse for data collection. Um, you mentioned the online petition. I mean, I just, you know, it's, by the way, it's .com, so .ca is available, Corey. Um, but the the the, <laughs> the ridiculous side of this is that it's it's not actually serving any purpose there is no particular reason to have this legislation uh to have this uh available because ultimately the politicians that write the rules are the politicians that don't want to be recalled Corey, do we need to recall recall I don't know. I, I I am not actually that down on recall legislation as a concept. I, I generally do believe that you should give politicians their four-year term and that that makes sense and that we should judge people on a bundle of actions. And recall does seem to be triggered by individual actions. And I don't necessarily think that's super helpful. But all of that said, do we not want some sort of fail-safe when a politician is so offside of the opinions of the of the jurisdiction that they represent that they can no longer reasonably be said to represent the people there. And there are situations that come to mind. Interestingly, one of the people who's not facing a recall at this moment is Sean Chu, mm -hmm. a counselor who um, faced some very late breaking allegations and was reelected. But uh, if you look at how the votes split between the advance ballots and the ad day ballots would not have been elected if people were aware of it. I think that it makes sense to allow recall in moments like that. The bar is very high. And the other part of it is you can only recall after a certain amount of time has passed, both in, in Alberta for both our MLAs and uh, and I, I believe for our councillors, you'll correct me if I'm wrong on yeah, that particular one. Yeah. So... You know, this the bar is really high, but it, it should exist for a while. I don't think we need to recall recall, I guess is what I'm saying. I think we need to recall the media thinking that somebody putting a petition mm -hmm. forward for recall is in any way newsworthy, because that doesn't matter at all. And they are never going to get 500,000 signatures on this. They had like 100 people show up at any given time at their, um, you know, petition draw on the weekend here. People do not appreciate the logistics of even getting 500,000 signatures. It's fucking unreal yeah. what you're requiring people to do. If you just had one person sit there and take the signature of everybody, one a second, which couldn't happen, you would be, you couldn't do it. You could not do it with the, like the waking hours that are available, assuming that there was any kind of reasonable approach that you'd take. So this is, this is my point. Like the bar is high, but I do think that having a, a fail safe is good. We just can't have people thinking anytime any Yahoo decides they want to start a recall that it's fucking news because it is fucking not. Yeah. And, and I think that's the point that I want to underline. Carter, I, I have to say, I agree with Corey's point, but there is, there is a newsworthiness to elements of the story. And I think that's, what's fascinating, right? Because I agree with Corey that this just a random person setting up a recall petition, not newsworthy. Uh, or if we were doing classic overrated, underrated, overrated, overrated. Right. The person yeah. doing that, right? However, underrated, 
what this could be weaponized for. Hence the website, hence the data collection, hence the gathering. Talk to me about that in your mind. Like, are, are you, from your strategist brain, what are you gathering with some of the products that you have seen put online? Do you feel like this is for a mayoral campaign? Do you feel like it, it matters or doesn't? How are you reading or how are you seeing what you are seeing with the steps that, that thus far have been laid out with the recall campaign specific to, let's say, data collection, branding, and, and perhaps even like further depressing supporters of, 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 the, of the mayor? Well, I think that uh, it's no coincidence that Craig Chandler's progressive group of independent businesses created a Take Back City Hall uh, group, and they sent out urgent emails this week. They're going to focus on three wards in the next couple of weeks to to start targeting and finding candidates for. I mean, this is a data collection program that's going to identify uh, what it seems to be identifying right now is, is door-knocking captains, people who are going to go out and collect the data. Um, you know, th- those door-knocking captains, for them to be successful in the next 60 days, it's less than 60 days now, but if they were going to be successful, they'd have to have something like 12,500 hours uh, from door knockers to do that. And and it's just not going to happen. But mm. if you targeted three or four ridings and you found out, uh, you know, where a group of anti-Gondek supporters are, you could then mobilize that group for a councillor candidate in the next election. Or if you did all t- 14 ridings, it'd be super easy to mobilize significant groups for your 14 councillors and um, a mayoralty candidate. So the data collection, like you don't even care about the, the, the gen pop. What you're aiming for are the people who are going to be the door knocking captains. Those door knocking captains are worth their money and, you know, their weight in gold. And you're going to have probably, you know, if, if Corey's correct, a hundred right off the bat who went to the rally, probably going to be another two or 300 that didn't go to the rally who will sign up. Well, Jyoti Gondek's campaign only had, you know, 650 volunteers. So if you're identifying 400 volunteers uh, in the the year before an election, goodbye, Jyoti Gondek. I didn't think of it that way, Carter. I was I was strictly thinking of it as a gen pop. But you think this is an organizing uh, data collection exercise? That's smart, Corey. I, I, that's all it. Could yeah, Corey, be, right? lay it on me. Give, give me your your thoughts. Yeah, like, let's be clear, like 12,500 hours, Yeah, that would still be getting 40 signatures an hour. Fuck off. That's not, not happening. happening on the doors. Anybody who's ever done voter ID can tell you how unrealistic that particular figure is, right? And listen, I don't think you need to be particularly good at math to come to those conclusions. I don't think this is about 500,000 signatures. I agree with Stephen entirely. It's list building. Mm-hmm. And I think that the point that he makes that it's actually about organizer lists is a stellar one, right? Like, who are the first people who put their hand up and say, I don't want the mayor there anymore? Well, now you've got your army for the next election. And that matters a lot. Because it only takes a few hundred people to fundamentally change calculations in elections like this. It's just the way it always has been, always will be, right? It's a small Mm -hmm. group of people relative to what people expect that can really change the course of politics in any kind of polity, whether it be a city or a province or a country. And they've just built an army. Right. Doesn't need to be huge for it to be impactful. Uh, Carter Mahomes touchdown. Uh, the Chiefs have just won. Uh, I'm sure you wanted to know. Uh, Car- Thank Carter. You. Oh, that's the best storyline possible. Yeah, that's so good. Go. I'll, I'll, give he, you all the, I'll give you all the T Swift news as it as it comes as it comes yeah, through. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm sure. very uh, very worried about all. This of will it, not be dated know. at all. This will not be dated at yeah, all. Let me know. Yeah, for sure. Let me know 
if she endorses Joe Biden from the field. I will, yeah, with I will let you know. I'll also let you know if it's uh, Shohei Otani or Robert Herjavec uh, that show up. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> just so you know, for a deep cut. I like that. I like a callback. Wow. See? Hey, hey, Carter. Yeah. Hey, Carter. I, uh, listen, I know you would not be the person to do this, but I, my, my whole my whole job is to, is to ensure on this show I put you guys in positions where I can leverage your expertise. Create for me the construct for a fight back strategy for the mayor. What would that oh, look like? Oh, a fight back like? strategy for the mayor. Yeah. Um, like, okay, now now that this is hanging over her head, now that we kind of understand what the goal is, and I agree with both of you that, you know, you, you've, you've, you, you've done a good job kind of laying out that this is list building, but this is also something that, to Corey's point, the media will keep coming back to. She'll keep getting columns written about. It'll hang over her. What does a, give me the constructs of like what an effective fight back strategy looks like for her. And then maybe we can even go so far as talking about some of the tactics that that she could think through uh, specific to fighting back and prote- potentially even like um, jujitsuing some of this this energy against us, against her, well, I should say. Number one, she's not fighting back against the actual petition. She shouldn't care about the petition. What she should be doing is putting together her team, right? Uh, calling all the fundraisers who worked with her before, making sure they're online, make sure that all the volunteers are online, that she's got a solid team and a solid group of people who are ready to go to battle. Because what this is saying, and, and this is, there's unintended consequences for every election, right? And the unintended consequence of the last election was the introduction kind of of TPAs and uh, uh, that le- that's leading to a much earlier start to this campaign. You know, that early start is going to be have to be met by this sitting mayor. She's she may not have to declare her candidacy until April of 2024 or 25. I mean, uh, April 2025, maybe even May. But she has to have she has to secure um all of the different people that are required to run a campaign. And it's those people that are going to be riled up that the mayor is under threat that you got to reach out to. You got to call every single person, all 650 volunteers last time. And then the hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of people that showed up in the weeks following her election, uh, that, that we don't want it to volunteer, but they just never quite got around to it. You know, those people, Corey, you know, we all know, ones, we all know those yeah. people. Oh, oh they, we, yeah. they wanted to be there, but they just couldn't quite get there. Uh, but they found, they found, but they found, they found the victory yeah, party. They found the location yeah. to the victory party. Yeah. Oh my God. So they're there and uh, they just need, they need to be called right now and they need to be secured right now. And that needs to be a solid ask that says the following. Um, I am going to run in the next election. I need you by my side. Will you help me? Yes or no. And no maybes, no, uh, I got to worry about, you know, having a kid or something like that. None of those things matter. The only thing that matters is, will you help me? Yes or no. And um, I'd be very interested to see if the the mayor's actually making those calls. Corey, your thoughts on, on a framework for fighting back if you if you are the mayor? Yeah, there's there's two ways to think about this. One is exactly what Stephen said, and maybe I'll loop back to that when it finished, but I, I agree. Like you go, you lock up your volunteers, you set sort of this cataclysmic worldview. It's us against anarchy. It's us against tyranny. It's us against take back Alberta. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's us against. And so we need you now. And it's the time for all good progressives to stand up and fight, you know, that kind of nonsense. The second way to think about it is if 
them building lists hurts you, hurt them building lists. So this is where you need to undermine their process a bit and probably even say things like, you know, this is really about getting on a list. And, you know, people should think about whether they actually want to be on a Craig Chandler list. Let me tell you a little about Craig Chandler, right? And uh, say, hey, listen, honestly, I know that, um, you know, I maybe this is also maybe a great opportunity to show some humility and reset and say, listen, I know I, I've made some missteps as mayor. I know that there are things that we need to do better. There is a learning curve to any role like this. I'm so grateful Calgarians have stuck through me with me through some of these things. And yeah, we're going to do better. And look, any politician should have a certain humility when people decide that this is the energy they want to bring to things here. But let's be really clear. This is not about me. This is about them building lists for their next crazy right-wing adventure. And uh, if you have a problem with me as as mayor, you know, this is my office phone number. This is my office email address. I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. But I'll tell you something. You give your information to them, you're giving it to, uh, you know, people who are going to use it for whatever their purpose is, not your purpose. They know very well how unlikely this is to succeed. That's not their intention here. So, you know, I'm I'm just kind of spitballing and riffing here, but the idea of undermining their process and making it less likely that they can actually get those people to sign up on the list would be the other way to think about it here. Now, you have to be mindful that if you come at it with a different energy than the humility energy I said, like, fuck them, they're going to lose. That's just going to galvanize those people and say, oh, I'm going to get my name double on that list. I'm going to get 10 people which is why I think the humility is a very important component of any undermining of the process that you're intended to do if you're Mayor Gondek. Carter, I have two questions based on what both of you guys have said here. Number one, should the mayor herself center herself, by which I mean, should she be a spokesperson for something like this in a fight back strategy? Does she have to kind of like come out and say some of the things, you know, that, that, that Corey has said or that you have suggested to say? And secondly, should those that want to defend the mayor invoke the mayor's name or make this about the broader cause of democracy or progressivism or, or those things? Give me your thoughts on both of those those questions. There's what she stopped. should do and what should the cause do? Yeah, both the cause and her should behave in exactly the same way. I don't think they should be public at all. I think that they should, you know, the humility that, that Corey's describing should be done in private, in my mind. There is only one mm. objective. So, like, so if, if the objective for the other side is to gather the, 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 the organizers. Your objective shouldn't be to win the public war. Your objective should also be like she's not, to gather She's not taking out a public campaign that's like, fuck this noise, .ca. No, and, she's, actually, and she's not- If I yeah. could jump she's in. not even jump, going Rob the them meeting. of oxygen. Yeah, you don't want, you do not necessarily want a big conversation about this because that just makes another news story. It just gives them another opportunity to canvas and get out there. Yeah. This, any opportunity to go into the public or speak to the public is just an opportunity for them. If it's, if it involves a telephone call and one person, that is what you, you know, how long would it take to make 600 telephone calls in 60 days? Right? Like that's how I would view this. I got 600 telephone calls. I got to make them in 60 days. I'm going to start 10 a day. Boom, boom, boom. Tell me what's more, more likely 600 telephone calls in 60 days or 500 plus thousand yeah, signatures yeah. in 60 days. So, so to be clear, both of you are suggesting not public, 
you know, um, use this as a as a starve them of 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 the runway or the oxygen that they have. Corey, did you want to build on that at, at all before I kind of follow up yeah, to my final question? I, like, I wouldn't necessarily be a hundred percent against public if there's a story anyhow. Like, if if you would come up with this idea at this at the launch of this particular thing, where there's the one story, I would say that that tone that I thought uh, would be pretty good in that story. But as we talk this out. I wouldn't go to a microphone tomorrow mm-hmm. or call a news conference tomorrow and say this. That is only going to feed your opponents, right? Yeah. But um, but if there was any kind of moment where you just needed to speak on it anyhow for you know some reason, then yeah, I would consider the tone I discussed. But what generally speaking, what reason? Well, what else are you gonna? Okay, so what else? What's your alternative? What are you gonna say? Right? Well, like what, I'm saying, this is a situation where I mean, it's done now. The rally's done. The they're done. Like, they're not going to get publicity. Again. Who's disputed? I'm literally saying if this had been at launch yeah. or if some crazy thing happened. You're, that now you're just yet. revising because you you agree with me. But I get it. I see that. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. Um, <laughs> I'm so the, mean. Uh, you know, the building of it. No, but you're totally right. Like, the building of it over 60 days is is smart. Like, just chunk these things out and go. Like, this is I, what you have to I do. I would be willing to bet a nickel that she doesn't. I'm just throwing it out there. Although, maybe she's listening to the Milan. Hello, Judge. Maybe. Hey, listen, can I, can I ask you a question? <laughs> is, is it been a while? You know, Carter, ever, ever <laughs> since we talked about this concept of like, what was it? Judoing, jujitsuing, one of the, one of the Jiu-jitsu, two. Jujitsu, yeah. Right. Like hey, where you kind of, you take the energy, you, you kind of put it back, you expand less energy. I, I think that's become quite a, quite a like sexy political but strategy. That's what Stephen Carter calls it. Yeah, that's what I call it because <laughs> By the way. I came up with it. The sexy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're hu- oh no, that's not, I thought I thought Kelsey was hugging Taylor Swift, but it's not. It's just a random, random. Okay, you're still blonde woman okay. above six feet. No, he's now shaking hands with a guy. That's definitely not Taylor Swift. Okay, there's just cameras on. Let me just hold on. Let's just see what happens. Seems like he's approaching. All right, All right. you just take your time. Okay, no, absolutely. Yeah, don't worry about the podcast. Yeah. We're just gonna. Uh, sit I'm not here. editing. Holmes is, yeah. Holmes not editing got, this. Um, Holmes is hugging Romo. Um, which, by the way, Tony Romo. Romo, dude, hugging. Uh, yeah, I can't trust his neutrality. No, I can't trust his yeah, neutrality either. either. What is no, this? Just, you know how this great Romo was in his first season uh, hey, as a commentator. It was unbelievable. He, he was uh, a he was a great rookie commentator. He was predicting really plays, and then he realized he doesn't play with any of these people anymore. He doesn't know any of the play calls. So now he just <laughs> goes off on his own, just says random shit. Uh, hey, Carter, we, I think he's going to lose his job we? soon. Um, hey, so listen, <laughs> this concept of like political jujitsu has become quite sexy, right? Like, I've heard it more often ever since... I'm not saying you invented it, Carter, but let's just say you did. I did. Um, okay. Congratulations, Carter. It comes up so often being like, you know, what we all we need to do, all we need to do is take this bad news story and then just turn it on them. And you've, yeah. I've heard that so many times, just even casually um, in, in conversation. That opportunity, Carter, doesn't always exist, to be clear. No. Does it exist here? From your analysis and your strategic brain, does that opportunity exist here for the mayor? That that's kind of the final point I wanted to examine here. That that both of you are kind of saying starve it of oxygen, plan for sixty days, you know, you know, plan your own path. Is there is there any sort of Stephen Carter patented jujitsu strategy available here? I mean, the only strategy I think that could be available, and I I would not recommend this because I think that it's too aggressive. And for me to say that something's too aggressive must be too aggressive. Wow. It must Um, must mean it won't work. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's very aggressive. Invalid. But I think that 
if you really wanted to fuck with people, you'd take the six pe- the six people who are really your mortal enemies and start with Sean Chu and do a um, a recall petition against Sean Chu. The counselor petitions are far more likely to succeed. They're still not going to succeed, just to be clear, but they're far more likely to succeed. Mm. So you could do a recall against Sean Chu, against Sonia Sharp, against uh, Jennifer Wyness, and prepare for the next election. And you, you don't have to do them all at once. You could just do them sequ- almost sequentially. Uh, and in fact, if you started the other way, now that I'm thinking about this, and you did... Uh, Sonia Sharp first, uh, and Dan McLean second, and then Jennifer Wyness, and then Andre Chabot, and then Sean Chu. By the time you got to Sean Chu, you'd probably be successful in your recall um, because you'd have organized so many organizers and you'd be going after the greatest villain. Um, but that would really destroy council. So, you know, not that council's not pretty broken already, but if you want to be that better mirror that, that Corey is kind of. I uh, talked about whispering under your breath when you're talking to uh, talking to all those organizers. Then I think that that strategy is just too too aggressive, and that really is, in my mind, the only jujitsu move that you've got. Everything else is just getting uh, just giving more oxygen to something that you don't want to have oxygen. Corey, anything to add? I feel like you've you've given a few of your comments on this in terms of starving oxygen, but I'll, I'll let you I'll let you give a Corey Hogan patented jujitsu strategy. Should it be available here? Look, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? So there are a lot of people who are not super enthused about Jody Gondak, but they're way less enthused about, you know, the, the the other groups that are involved in all of this here. And there's been kind of suggestions even of, you know, lobby groups being involved in this, mm-hmm, looking mm-hmm, at metadata mm-hmm. on, uh, on documents. You never know if that's fully the case or somebody just used a template or whatever. But I guess the point would be... Um, they might be less popular with your supporters than you are popular. And so this does afford you an opportunity really to have those conversations Stephen was talking about, where you go to people and you put it in those terms, that those kind of like clash of civilization, uh, you know, end of, end of uh, you know, Twilight of the Gods kind of stuff, where it's like, okay, well, which side are you on? We're going to fight these guys or what? What's going on? And um, And so that might be a better frame and a more popular frame for you than your current existence. But... You've got to be realistic about um, the reality that that backlash is possible, too. And by that, I don't mean someone's going to say, I was okay, and then you called me and fuck you. But it's like, oh, my God, it is high stakes. Why are we going with this horse? Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it like using a horse race metaphor here. And so, uh, you know, then then maybe it becomes a different different choice maybe you find a different candidate and so that's that's the possibility if you go down that road so if you want to try going down that road be really attuned to what you're hearing and be prepared to just say okay this is actually a bad idea after the first 10 conversations if you realize that uh, it's having you know uh, an effect you don't wish for shall we say uh, Carter, uh, we'll move it on to our next segment in a second here, but I, I got to ask you, and this is totally unrelated to anything we've been talking about. Um, if you were to start a sporting league, would you want Roger Goodell or Gary Bettman as your commissioner? If you had to pick <laughs> from those two uh, massive oh guys, uh, who would you pick, Carter? Um, I would pick uh, Roger Goodell. This, 
No, because I like I like my players to be violent. Oh, God, so God. that's who I'd I go. Think, oh, okay. I think he's got a head injury, Corey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who who would you be picking? Uh, I just I just saw Goodell on the screen here, and uh, I just um, excuse me while I throw up. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing about Goodell. I think Goodell has actually overseen a bit of a modest decline of football, right? Whereas Batman, love him or hate him, and yeah, you can talk about a lot of missteps and failed franchises and that. When he took over the NHL, it was like, yeah, a very, very minor league relative to the other leagues, as much as we pretended there was a big four sports leagues, right? And he has made those owners boatloads of money. So uh, if I was starting a sports team, did they sports make league, enough, and, did they make enough money to build their own stadiums? Oh, that's that's the, piercing. Oh, oh, that's piercing. See, that's that's see what you did there. Pretty good. Let's move it on. What to, a tie Let's back. move it on to our next segment. Our la- next segment, of course, this one brought to us by our sponsor, Flair Airlines. Lift off or let down, guys. We are here. <laughs> Not it's, our it's, it's the Flair Airlines lift off or let, a let down. Uh, we always do this when there are campaigns that have launched. And Stephen Carter, there are campaigns that have launched. We have three Alberta NDP leadership candidates that are now officially. Ago, we had Kathleen Ganley, the first entrant in, into the field, uh, launch uh, on day one of, of possible launches. Yeah. We had uh, Raki Pancholi go on uh, this past Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and we had Sarah Hoffman today, as we record, Sunday, February 11th, go earlier today with their launches. All three had similarities. All three had differences. Uh, we can tease them out, but I want to spend most of this episode talking about what they now need to do going forward. Carter, I'll give you my summary, and then you could interrupt and you could tell me how, sure. how each of them played out for you, uh, liftoff or, or letdown. Kathleen Ganley had a launch event. I'm going to talk tactically here more so than anything. She had a launch event that that included uh, several MLAs and included an introduction video, and it included a campaign website driving people to the standard things, donations, membership sales, etc. Really a focus on Team Ganley. Racky Pancholi, an ambitious campaign video that I think she, she certainly landed with. A website, no real launch event, but, uh, uh, but, but kind of came out with a signature policy one might suggest uh, introducing that policy uh, to pot- potentially wedge her, her opponents on, on the consumer carbon tax. She announced that on, on Real Talk with Ryan Chesperson. And then you had Sarah Hoffman, who, who had a live stream event, a pretty nice looking website today, I would say, um, a, 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 a solid um, and potentially even humorous uh, launch to, 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 to her launch, kind of taking out some of the win on, on people's sales about who she is, why she's running, trying to reposition in certain ways what people would assume about her, Carter, uh, both in terms of her policy positioning, but I'd say out of the three, probably the clearest in terms of what her key areas of focus might ultimately be. Carter, run through the three campaigns, liftoff or letdowns. Let's start with that. And then I want to start with the go forward. So liftoff, letdown, anything interesting you notice strategically. And then let's talk about the future state. And Corey, I'll come to you in a second on the on the same series of questions. Yeah, I mean, I think that all all of three to this point have been very um, almost paint by numbers, right? I think that each one of them maybe have had a little bit better element than the others, right? I think that Sarah Hoffman's live event was, was really quite good. Great visuals from it. Uh, I think that Racky Pancholi's video was the best in class. And I give extra points to Kathleen Ganley for going first. No one stumbled. No one failed. Um, just no one's really, you know, there was nothing particularly interesting about the launch. But I think we've said it's super hard to have a launch that really explodes. You know, what would an explosion look like? 600 people in a room? Maybe. 
but that's super hard to do that you know like there there was nothing there that kind of mm. says oh yeah that was that was the launch that we were looking for for the ndp launch and, and it's all over now i saw three campaigns the launch that each i think have a chance to be successful over the course of the campaign period uh, but i didn't see any campaign that launched and went um it's over now I'm the front runner and you're going to have to catch me. Um, Each one of them got their requisite media. Each one of them got their, you know, attention for the moment, but none of them have a, it'll be interesting to see if Sarah Hoffman has a follow-up strategy. How will she get more attention? Um, Well, I I want to kind of discuss follow-up strategies. I'll I'll leave it there then. I'll leave it there and let my friend, well, Corey, uh, okay, good. Yeah, I'm glad. I feel like you're walking back, my friend, which which seems yeah. appropriate. Um, yeah, given yeah. your history on this podcast, Corey, lift off or let down for each of these three, or and and then just tell me if there's something strategic you noticed, and and then based on this, there's a few things I want to bring up before we kind of go to the future state. Yeah, so I do firmly believe launch days are overhyped, but I do also think that the three were interesting and told us interesting things about the campaigns and certainly things that I'll be watching. Some will be like, are they going to correct that or are they going to find their footing? And some are, are they going to be able to follow up on that? Because that seems pretty cool, but what's act two, right? And so um, let's start with Sarah's because it was most recent. I will say it was stronger than I expected on the campaign fundamentals, right? But, it, you know, to Carter's point, maybe it was a little paint by numbers because it was like the things you expect from a campaign, you know, like the human wall and the speech and the, the rallies and the website yeah. and the rallies. But it was all really well done, right? Yeah. Like from a campaign's fundamentals point of view, she she did it. Like, I, I think it was in some ways the most I generic. Think she sounded good too. The launches. Yeah. But yes, absolutely. You know, she uh, she was stronger than I expected. And and part of that is I'd actually in the past couple of weeks started to think, oh, is this campaign actually going to launch, right? Like it, it had had a bit of trouble at provincial council for the NDP as the rules were set. I mean, just losing vote after vote after vote, right? And uh, there'd been a lot of chatter about how that had antagonized some people and what the fuck are they doing and, and so on and so forth. But the campaign launched just, just fine. And it, it's clearly a campaign and it's clearly a serious campaign, right? I will say that Rackies was for sure the standout for me. I know Carter thinks that there's kind of genericism here, but if you look at how the people reacted to it, like let's just talk about videos. Kathleen's video launched online had 27,000 views. We were talking about this on the Strategist Discord the other day. I can't remember who on the Discord showed like showed this to us, but it certainly caught my eye. Twenty seven thousand views for Kathleen's video. Rackies just on Twitter had four hundred and seventy five thousand. You know, in counting, I mean, like that's that's a it's big just, difference. It's just and you starting and, and stopping the video every two seconds, like yeah, that's, just so I can so I can be right about things. Yeah, right? that's all that. Yeah. So there was that, but there was also the way that the kind of narrative was seized on the the carbon tax, which now Sarah Hoffman has gone out and I think rather sensibly said, I'm not going to be the pro-carbon tax person and just said, yeah, maybe it's dead. But I mean, that was that was pretty impressive. Like just change the frame, got a lot of media out of it, move forward. Kathleen's was weaker than I expected, um, simply because it is it's just been like, it's it's fine. Like I I don't want to say like what a train wreck or anything like that. I'm I'm not saying that. But given that it's pretty clear that she has such a strong control over the old Notley apparatus, there were a few things that caught my eye that I thought were just a little weird. If I'm going to be frank, the first email came out from Jeremy Knowles, her 
campaign manager also instead of her. Like that's former chief of staff to Rachel Notley for a million years. Yeah. So fucking weird. But so really, I mean, can, very, can I, very weird. Well, why, why? Sorry, just just so I'm clear. Why? Why was that weird to you guys? It wasn't weird to well, me. So it's. I can't believe it. you're lying nope. now. No, I'm. I'm actually. The I'm first actually, email I'm from a campaign asking just out of curiosity. Like, ex- yeah, yeah. The first you can email from the campaign. The listeners are dumber than us. Just so we, okay, these no, people no, are no. idiots. Okay, they they don't but know anything. The, this is this is so you are going to launch a campaign. Yeah, and you are going to say I am the candidate. Yeah, but you're not going to say I am the candidate. You're going to let somebody else fucking put words in your mouth. If that's insane, if that's that malpractice. Pers- I mean, there's been times when my name has more value than the candidate's name no it's true come on i think it's true yeah. for all three of us no fuck off he's not david axelrod I outside of a small david group of people axelrod. people david axelrod talking about me you. for advice i'm talking about jeremy knowles chase my mustache people <laughs> carter's yeah. like do it <laughs> do, it. <laughs> do it and then i turned out to be wrong and that was a mistake <laughs> that's well, a rarity felt bad. Been... all right felt bad well let's let's keep walking through the week so you start by saying, okay, I'm going to have Rachel Notley's former chief of staff introduce me. Yeah. Weird choice. Weird choice. Why not your co-chair, Shannon Phillips, right? Why not? I don't understand. Even if you're going to go down this road, which I can't believe for the life of me anyone would go down, why you wouldn't start with yourself. Then you follow it up with endorsements of Raj Panu. And Brian Mason, so former leader. So, like, what's going on here? Like, is this the continuity campaign? Sure, why not? No, it's not. There's no well, way you believe Carter, it's Carter, great. I feel like you... I are you working? Great. I said, uh, in <laughs> okay. fairness to you, you know, in fairness to myself, yeah. my fine... Did you listen at all to what I said? They were all very workmanlike for me. They were all oh, very goodness. passable. Yeah. Racky's had a very yeah, good video. You pointed out the video. Good for you. I'm very pleased that you like the video as well. But the video is just a video. It doesn't do anything beyond the day. Like, Unreal. Here's here's okay. here's here's so, the thing. I just need to now so let's pe- move people just so people can understand the, the energy Corey's giving us here. You guys probably need some visuals. Um, Carter and I are Andy Reid. Yeah, and Corey is a Travis Kelsey. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a good now, once visual. again. I chose the most limited yet current <laughs> meme to explain yeah, Corey's. That's very topical. I, okay. No, I'm baffled. I'm I'm sincerely no, I, baffled. and I'm sincerely earnestly asking why it's bothering you so much. Yeah, why are you so angry? Why, like, you would launch without yourself? Like, that's weird. No, she launched with so, herself. She launched with her own no. video. She then sent the first email out from someone who is a noted member of the party. No, not noted. Notable. Not noted. Notable. Not notable. Noted? What do you mean, not oh, No, guys. Come on. Guys. Now you're just making up stories. Now you're making up stories. If I asked. 10,000 NDP members who Jeremy Knowles like is. Like there are 10,000 NDP members. Okay, come on. Okay. Let's start. B- what percent? Sincerely, what percent do you think would 75%. come back? 75%. Yeah, I know who that guy. <laughs> come on. I was going to say, There's no way you believe that. 50%. You don't think 50% There's would no know Jeremy? There's no way Germany's? you believe 50%. I think so. Yeah. Think maybe, so? maybe we overestimate the staff. No. Or maybe, maybe. Yes, you grossly so overestimate. You, 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 like your gripe is... Okay, so so you just so I'm clear, why why wasn't it Shannon Phillips if you wanted to do this approach? Yeah, no, you raised a good point like there because I really do uh, like Shannon. I think she, she would have. Been can I? Person. Can I? Okay, so I've I've got both of your assessments on 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 a liftoff or letdown. I feel like all three of you are giving a ver a degree of. There's lift only off two of us. To these Zane. 
Uh, well, all three of you, uh, including myself. Okay. Um, w- by the way, just so you're clear, <laughs> uh, Zane Velji for leader is a different person than Zane Velji. Just and and this will become clear in the coming episodes. Um, the <laughs> hey Carter, there's a few things that I found interesting. For, like I know both of you, I, I've come uh, come to the conclusion that launch day is 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 overrated. Um, there was two types of like rallies that we saw, if I can call it that. One was more for the media, Ganley. One was more for like the live stream and the people in the room. If you had to choose between the two, would you choose one over the other, or do you think they're dependent based on your goals? I'm kind of curious. Like, I think there's apples. There's not perfect apples to apples, but there's interesting apples to apples things that I just thought. Now that we're beyond the launch, that we can uh, for for a few of these candidates, we yeah. can start comparing. Which one did you like more? Which one is like kind of more interesting to you? Which one is more strategically beneficial to you? Can we talk about that? And there's a few others before, and then I promise I'll get to the future state. I think that I think that what Sarah did was harder to do, and for that reason, like she actually isn't going to get any bonus points from me. For, for the harder to do one, because why why expend all that effort putting all those people in the room for one media shot, right? Like you're going to get, what, four stories today, five stories, um, and then you're right back trying to generate more awareness. And it takes a tremendous amount of effort to do what Sarah did. Uh, I think she pulled it off. I think she did a great job, but that's not how I want to spend my time. I actually liked what Racky did. I think that Racky's fuck it, I'm not going to do an event is the best event for our launch because your real job is to get people engaged in the campaign and selling memberships. And the video looked like it was probably a videographer, Racky and an assistant who went, I believe, everywhere in the province. Um, But then after that, it was just kind of, you know, uh, she didn't worry too much about something that didn't matter too much. And I think that Sarah Hoffman fell into the trap of, of making something that didn't matter too much, take a lot of time and effort. And whereas Kathleen Ganley moved quick, did something for like the speed with which Kathleen acted mm. make it, it, it was as impressive as the organization that Sarah put in place today. So I, that's why I'm kind of, everybody did something good. Everybody did yeah, something good, except Corey. Corey did nothing good this last <laughs> week. <laughs> Can I say? Yeah, talk, talk to me. Talk, talk to me about here. the observation. At least try to stick it on on this this sort of like rally like yeah. format, and then I've got a few others. I will say, <clears throat> for for all three campaigns, my caution would be: this is not a general election. And so when I talk about it in the context of the Ganley campaign, like this, just like dropping endorsement after endorsement of people that generally speaking, the membership either anybody who has an opinion about that already has an opinion about the race. If you are like, I need to know what Raj Panu thinks you already have a horse in this race. Like you are invested in this party. Right. And so like you are creating these names for what, like, right. You're not trying to create, it's a weird thing. Like you're trying to create a different type of buzz in a, in a leadership election. The, the second thing that I would say, well, and not the second thing, the second campaign I'd look at is Sarah's and say, you know, that launch and those visuals and getting people in the room, this is not a general election, right? So you've got to be able to harness that. And then finally, I think Racky did by far the best job of creating like general population buzz and certainly framed out things. That's got to be turned into memberships too, right? And so like everybody has need needs to look past their launch and say, how does this turn into memberships, actual votes me, at the end of the day? Let me tell you something. I'm Mr. Positive today. You're Mr. Negative, right? I'm putting everything in the positive and, and, and you're putting everything in the negative. Together, 
We're a battery. Yeah. No, that's too- Look, I would say this. Like I th- I thought that there were at least two and a half good launches last week. And oh I God. think that everybody's going to be a credible campaign. And what I will be curious to watch over the next bit is how some of these campaigns shift and morph. And my personal view is that the launch matters a lot. Like we talked about this actually last week. The launch matters less than the adaptability of, that you should. Uh, yeah, uh, right? Based on issue, based on competition, based on everything. Absolutely. Corey, yeah. one more sort of comparator question, and then we'll move on to the future state. Because I do want to talk about the future state really about like kind of maximizing what appears to be um, the assets or at least the, the, the unique selling assets that each of these campaigns seem to have. With Ganley, it seems to be the, the number of endorsements. With, and I'm, I'm going to be simple. These are not, the, sure. these are not singularly yeah. the only assets. With Racky, it seems to be kind of the collection of community people who, who can who, who talk about her in a positive way, the, the growth that she's trying to embody within her campaign, that seems to be quite positive. And for Sarah, it certainly seems to be the fact that that she, um, as you mentioned in the past, has one-to-one relationships, but she's also got the party connection, so to speak. So how do they kind of double down, maximize, think about these things? Let's talk about that in a second. One other comparator, though, Corey, I want to kind of give you, um, which is video. What would, um, and maybe you could start with this, both, if I might be mistaken, I don't think Hoffman went with a video today. I think she would. I think it was just It was stream, just a stream, yeah. right. So she didn't go with like a standalone 90 second, 30 second, whatever. Might be coming in the sure, next day sure. or something, but yeah. Uh, and, and we yeah. can talk about it when it does. Um, but we have two samples of videos to compare. We have the Kathleen um, Ganley, Racky Pancholi. Um Different but similar, like biographical, trying to explain who they are, uh, a bit of of of, of uh, a story in certain cases about Alberta. Um, what do you think the state of campaign launch videos are these days? These these videos, I'd say, really to me, kind of harken back on a bit of like. Um, in some ways, you guys might say these have been standard for, for years, or as Park Carter might say, they, these are like paint-by-numbers for years. I think the recent sort of American election uh, and cycle, the AOC-style video with a little bit of bio, a little bit of personality, a little bit of like upbringing story has started to kind of make its way a lot more. These two-minute-style videos uh, are now extremely common in, in many races when folks launch. Give me your take on, on kind of some lessons learned, now that it's in the past for at least a couple of these camps, on launch videos. And, and, and what you think. And Carter, same thing for you uh, from your strategist lens, and then we'll move on to the future state, as I mentioned. Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I do believe that we have seen a certain format of launch video takeover over the last bit. That's pretty no common, right? You start to see it in one jurisdiction and it works and people pull it into other jurisdictions and they pull it forward there. But in reality, a launch video is trying to do a a pretty common thing, which is introduce the candidate and their campaign to to the public. So, you know, I'm not I'd actually struggle to think of a launch video that really split the atom. Like, again, I think back on Mm. the uh, CPC campaign where we we saw Pierre Polyev's launch video. Right. Nothing right home about. Actually, yeah. actually, I got to tell you, probably less ambitious than either of the other the two videos we've talked about with boardroom, with boardroom direct with the camera. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So again, there it goes to show you when you think about videos from the Polyev campaign, you don't think boardroom direct to camera, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. they they found things that would work for them better or whatnot. In fact, but they like arguably created their own sort of narrative style throughout that campaign. Yeah. Sure, yeah. you know, it. I guess that, but like, I want to underline. 
what they're trying to do is pretty basic. It's mm. the introduction, right? And so um, <clears throat> I don't fault them on it, on it and, and the kind of basic concept. It really comes down to, at a certain point, execution. And you start reading the tea leaves on what the execution means, right? In terms of the quality, the words they're using, the phrases that they bring into it or don't bring into it, uh, the things they avoid talking about, the things that they do talk about. And yeah, people like you, me, and Stephen can overanalyze and overinterpret these things. <laughs> But at the end of the day, it's about a feeling. Like, what's the feeling you have after watching this campaign video? And well, you and me and Steven and many of our listeners might watch launch video after launch video after launch video. The reality is most people do not. And so when they see a launch video, they're not judging it against 30 other launch videos and saying how different it is. Sure. They're talking sure. about the feeling that they have at the end of that particular launch I'm video. glad you ended up there, Corey, because Carter, I guess my the heart of my question, I wish I'd phrased it to you this way, Corey, so I could kind of be more precise, but here we are, um, was ambition. Does mm -hmm. ambition get the credit it deserves? So you got one launch video that clearly had a higher level of ambition and execution. Another one that 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 did not, although it was actually, I thought it was quite good in its own right. Um, does the does the extra mile on ambition pay off? And Corey's, and I want to maybe tie in Corey's last comment around feeling, or, or is it not actually even about like production and ambition polish? Like, give it to me like what you'd kind of like classify as, as a secret sauce on, on, on launch video, uh, maybe with that frame in mind around like, Hey, should we spend the extra money going all across the province or should we just film this all across Calgary with some simple B-roll of the candidate comparing the two? Um, you know, like th there was clearly a higher level of ambition one between the other. And I'm kind of curious if this teaches you or clarifies anything for you as a strategist, Stephen Carter, um, uh, watching these two videos uh, over the last week. Yeah, I mean, I wish I, the numbers say that the ambition mattered. Uh, Racky got more views. It's pretty straightforward. Racky, Racky won the video war. Great. Did you sell any memberships? That's that's the trick. So I don't actually have the metric that actually determines whether or not something was successful mm -hmm. in front of me. So if you use the wrong metric, you can chase the wrong things. So you can chase. That's very true. You can chase views all day long, right? You can chase Absolutely. viral virality all day long. And if it is generating for you the outcome, right? And now sometimes you can you can tell yourself, and this might even be true, the virality at the beginning is super important because we're going to need it at the end. When people start buying those memberships, when they finally turn around to buying the memberships in the last two weeks, we need that name recognition and we are getting it from our viral videos. But there's been some great videos in the U.S., um, in the U.S. especially, that you know, I'm thinking of the fighter, the woman who was the fighter pilot. Um, like, th there's been some really good the introductory guy smoking videos. weed the whole time, and like a really yeah, okay, I, that, well, that one, maybe less so that that one was crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they're they're not necessarily correlated to victory. They're not. right. They're not. There, there's right. a lot of great videos in a lot of great places where they go viral. They may raise some money, but they don't win. Um, they're targeted the wrong audience. Right, like the 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 wrong people like them, and of the people who watched Rocky's video, I'm not sure if all those people who watched that video weren't people who were like, "Yeah, I really like her, but I'm never going to join the NDP." Right? I don't know who they were. I don't know what the outcome was. I don't know what kind of data they collected. So, but I would suggest that there's probably some sort of positive con uh, correlation. 
Corey, do, yeah. you, do, do you want to comment here and then we can carve the path out for each of these candidates? No, look, all things being equal, you want to have more video views, right? You want to have that virality. And of course, we don't know in the cases, well, maybe you do in the States. I don't know, I should say, whether they outperformed, perhaps, where they were expected. Maybe they were always expected to lose and maybe they lost a little bit less, right? Like, mm-hmm. These videos can matter. Um, all things being equal, you want to have more views than not, right? But the the fundamental point remains, how do you convert on that? So let's say, I wouldn't even call it a necessary but insufficient condition. It is a great way to start a sales funnel, but you've got to have the rest of the funnel. I guess that would be the point that I would yeah. make, right? Yeah. Like, okay, 475,000 views on Twitter across all platforms, who knows how many, probably a ton. How are you converting those people? What are the follow-up conversations? What is the infrastructure? It's really important that that campaign team is not just sitting there saying, mission accomplished, but instead saying, all right, I cracked the door open a tiny bit. Now I got to get my fingers in there, right? And it's really, really important to have follow-through for things like that. Uh, Carter, let's talk about these candidates going forward. I've laid out what I think their unique advantages are. You might think there are different, or you may think there's additional ones. I was going to say Hoffman, it's the inside track. For Ganley, it's the endorsements. For Racky, it's the fact that, you know, she seems to have a bit of a a growth opportunity uh, as it relates to to the um, campaign that she's running Talk to me about what they need to do specifically, Carter, going forward. Let's talk Hoffman first. Let's both let's both of us, or both of you, all three of us, talk Hoffman first. Uh, Hoffman needs to lock down the existing membership of the party. You know, she needs to find a way to tell, you know, to resell and to gather commitments from the people who are already there. Um, then she needs to get on her ass and come down to Calgary, sell a whole bunch of memberships down here. Calgarians don't really know Sarah Hoffman very well. Can Uh, I interrupt you there? Can I interrupt you there for one second? Does she? Yeah. Does she actually need to? I have the same question. Does she need to come out to Calgary? If she is a fucking rock star of Edmonton, right? Whether you believe that statement or not. But if she's sure. if she's like, wh- why would she even think about this? this? Is one member one vote? Like, isn't it just to get to the finish line in whatever way possible? Sell you the shit out of Glenora. Sell the shit out of you know Strathcona. Call it a day. Cannot cede all of the ground to two other candidates in Calgary. This is looking like it's going to turn out to be a four candidate race, uh, not counting the 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 Nench because the Nench, even if he's coming in, doesn't appear to be coming in anytime soon. So we're going to have four candidates. You cannot give, and, and of the four candidates, three are big name, the three big names have launched, right? So those three big names are, are now in the game and you cannot give 50% of the province or of the, of the circle of voting to two of them. And, and especially when you're competing with Racky also in Edmonton, you have to get at least 20% of the vote in Calgary. Otherwise, you're going to lose. You're going to be at, she can get 45% of the vote on the first ballot and still lose just because of the way that the roll-up goes. Just because if the roll-up goes Ganley, Pancholi, or Pancholi, Ganley, it's all over. Corey? Do you agree with Carter's? I'll get your own take on Hoffman, your own independent stream of take. But I need you to respond to his. She's got to come to Calgary. She's got to come down here, not cede the territory. Um, do would, if if you were like giving her advice, you might say that. But does it have to be true? You know what I mean? Like you might say that from like an option, but like could they not just sell the shit out of Edmonton and call it a day? 
Well, it's all about effort to votes, but what Stevens identified is an important point. If you think you're going to be one of the last two candidates in a roll-up ballot, that means either Racky or Kathleen will be off the ballot and their supporters will have to go somewhere. And if you have just said, I haven't talked to them because I haven't gone down to Calgary, if there's you know large numbers of Calgary supporters uh-huh. in either case, you've probably got a problem. But that is getting into tactics. Like ultimately, this is about effort to vote. So if you can exert less effort and get votes, and you do have to think about a first, second, and third ballot, but if you can exert less effort and get more votes in Edmonton, stay in Edmonton. Now, there are some things that you'll be trying to juggle at the same time. You'll be thinking about if you want to actually be leader, if you think you have a chance of being leader, you can't afford to be known as the leader who let Ed or Calgary burn, right? Like, don't care about Calgary. So there's a certain amount of that as well. Like, talk about winning the battle, but losing the war, if you're seen as just totally undigestible mm-hmm, in one of mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. major centers here. But that goes both ways, by the way. Like, you can't burn Edmonton either. Um, but that said... It really is about effort to vote. And that's going to be a different calculation for all sorts of people in all sorts of ways. Because look, at the end of the day, what do we think? 50,000 people are going to vote in this thing? You know? Okay, well, let's just say, let's say for easy math, it's 50,000 people. You could find 50,000 people in Edmonton with enough time and effort and you know, mm-hmm. inclination. You could find 50,000 people in Calgary. You could find 50,000 people outside of those centers, right? The question becomes how you best find those people. But but it's more than just how you best find those people. If it's 50,000 total votes that are cast in this in this leadership, are you going to have 25,001? Right? If you do yeah. have 25,001, then it's not a problem. But realistically, when you have three big candidates, right? And and this is a roll-up vote, so we don't ever have to talk about vote split. Instead, we can talk about vote, you know, the, the votes roll up. And the question is, will they roll up to you? And if you haven't been in Calgary, if you haven't gone to all the centers, if you haven't made the effort, then you're in, if, if all you've done is sold your own memberships and not talk to the people who are around that. Now, you could make a case, Corey, that's going to come after the membership deadline. And I'd have to say, you know what? You're probably right. But I still would start building those relationships early because the more that it looks like you've ignored Calgary, the harder it's going to, your, your effort to vote ratio gets harder, not easier as you move down the road. Well, this is this gets into the strategy campaigns have to figure out, right? And these are the the calculations that campaigns are going to need to make that are going to be unique to their circumstances. Yeah. But I agree with you 100%. You, this is not something where you can just kind of turn up. And again, I do think it cuts both ways. Like if you're Kathleen Ganley, and you don't show to, up in the city of Edmonton. She's got to be in Edmonton, you know? Fort McMurray, Grand Prairie. There might be 16 votes in Fort McMurray. She's still got, still got to go because she's got to appear like she's got the whole province of Cape in her grasp because she's not as well known. Right. Well, let's let's just let's just let's just speaking of roll up. Let's just roll into Ganley, right? So yeah. part of you're already getting started there. Keep going, and then I'll throw to Corey. Up. Be- well, I I think that of the three names, uh, Ganley's the least known because she's also the least kind of. Uh, I think even even let le- being a former minister less than less than Racky. Yeah, I think she's a former oh, minister. Yeah, I, I think, think I think oh, Racky's Racky probably on the list. Everybody I talked to knows Racky. Well, I think Ooh. I think it might be a bias for who well, we know. You're talking about. 
Are we Listen, talking if you, party if members? I don't know Gen them. Pop? They're probably not buying yeah. a fucking membership. I'm telling you, I'm a big fucking deal in this. Thing. <laughs> Carter's offering okay. Stephen Carter. He's writing emails on behalf yeah. of candidates. Car- yeah. Carter is offering his name <laughs> for a small fee of how much, Carter? You know what? I'm writing an email right now on behalf of Zane Velji, and you just watch what's yeah, going to happen, Mike. Very oh my good. God. I, I, yeah. Can can all we use some of the Patreon money to get me vetted, for the, for just the so lunch. I can get into the race? I mean, sorry, not yeah. that I can get into the race. So that Zane Velji for no, leader, Zane Velji for leader, a can different get into the person race. than me. Different. Have person. you guys seen Curb? Yeah. There's Larry David, the actor, yeah. and then there's Larry David. That's what I want people to think about, okay? Zane Velji for leader is a version of Zane Velji. Definitely not me. Uh, let's get those 1500 bucks. You're and let's, starting let's to get sound like race. one of those uh, sovereign citizens. You know, like it's not good. It's not a good look. That's not a, it's, 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 it's a, not a mistake. It's one of those luxury opinions I can have now that I'm, I'm, I'm established, Carter. Um, hey, okay. You're, you're, talking, you're talking about Ganley. You're talking about who's well-known or who's not well-known. Um, yeah. You're offering your name for a low, low price of 500 bucks an email. I understand that to any campaign to endorse mm-hmm. I think Racky's less known. But regardless, go on your train of yeah, thought. Go, go on your train of thought of like... The simple, okay, the simple idea got is... Everywhere. Go ahead. You, you got to look... And, and I would say the same of Racky. I mean, in Racky's video, I think there was a strategic decision to put her everywhere um, because she needs to be able to look like she can compete everywhere. Both her and Kathleen probably have that same problem. Sarah may not have as big a problem, but for Kathleen and, and Racky, they've got to go to all of the major centers um, and they've got to at least put in a few days with the core volunteers that are there. Um, cause there are core volunteers across the province and you need to gather as many of those as possible just so that you can say you did. Um, when I was in Fort McMurray last week, Kathleen Ganley said to her Calgary audience, I said, you know, we have to remember that this is a province made up of people who work in energy, 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 energy. I don't know. But you've got to be able to do all, have all the tricks. And then Raj Panu comes from a, <laughs> comes from the rooftops, okay? He just soars right in, okay? And then as soon as that happens, an email hits everyone's inbox from Stephen Carter. <laughs> yeah, saying, the I Stephen just Carter. watched Raj jump from the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. In, in support of Kathleen. Uh, in support of Jeremy Knowles supporting Kathleen, I believe is actually what the email That's actually say. how I'm going to yeah. write my email. Wait, I also support Jeremy Knowles. <laughs> you guys are nasty. It's Corey. Corey's gotten us on this. Um, I actually thought it was fine, that email, but it's Corey. I Corey, it was fine um, too. what does what Ganley need to do? Uh, I, I, said, both I said her unique asset was the level the, the just the volume of endorsements um that she's collected yeah. i thought it was pretty impressive on day one um you might think there's another asset but like talk to me about her her strategy does she need to double down on, on her assets right now does she need to maybe secure any of the, the the liabilities that she might have as a campaign how would she be thinking about this race if if you are here uh, if you are her in, in in a unique way like of course there's things that every candidate is thinking about right now but in a unique way what is team gambling thinking about right now yeah, can I say about Kathleen Ganley because I was I was being quite critical of the the first couple of days here. Part of why I'm so critical of it is I just expected a lot more, right? A lot more what I would kind of deem leadership thinking and and kind of structure or maybe I just assumed it would be in a different place. But the the kind of I don't know, I'm just going to say sort of the old news feel, right? I I oh, I know Kathleen. God. I don't think of it as old. Listen up, Carter. I want to. Okay. Get this okay. Out. Is this a compliment hidden inside this is all a compliment. this shit? Okay. There is a compliment. Okay. I wanted to just check. I it. fully anticipate there's going to be a pivot at a certain point. 
I have to assume that the strategy was we are going to lock up the continuity feel because we assume Sarah's going to try to go for that. So we're going to go first. We're going to show that we have, uh, well, you know, you can't really have Rachel, but we've got her chief of staff. And then we've got Brian Nason, who was the leader before that. And we have Rash Panu, who's the leader before that. And God help you if you can even remember the leader before that. But you start talking about this kind of continuity, which is, by the way, kind of very consistent with how, as we've talked about, the NDP used to choose leaders. It was like part of the job of the leader was to help curate the next leader. But this is a different party now. So I assume that this is kind of week one, let's lock up backwards before we go forwards. And I this is I keep talking about the pivot I'm waiting for here. But that's what I have to assume. Because it actually does not make sense to me that Kathleen Ganley would frame herself in this particular way, because there is no way I believe that this is actually what the membership's looking for. And I believe she knows that too, right? Like it's just not conceivable to me that you're going to say Look at all of look, look at everything that we've got. I've got it too, right? She's gonna have to tell the story about how she will build upon what Rachel built. And so far, all I've seen is the past. And there has to be a turn. You have to expect that turn. So when we talk about what I'm looking for for Kathleen and where she needs to be and what she needs to do, I think that's the part that needs to come next. And if she's just gonna be Calgary Rachel, which I know we talked about and even pitched about, you know, the caution you have there is that might not be enough. So you've got to sort of build a frame that is more forward thinking and aspirational, like really went out of her way not to talk about policy on day one, Mm. talked about endorsements instead. That was a choice. That's a fine choice. I don't begrudge that choice of anybody. But, you know, you've got to you've got to see the next part. I got you got I got to see the next part here. Carter, any any final advice for for Team Ganley before we move on to Racky Benchley? No, I'm out. Uh, Talk talk to me about Racky. What? um, how, well, how do you think she harnesses uh, her launch video? How, how do you think she harnesses her launch? What does she need to do going forward? I think that she should be, uh, well, and, and I think her next step is to figure out how to turn on organizers, right? Like this is about organizational structures. Uh, Kathleen Ganley has, has gone the endorsement route. I've never been a fan of the endorsement route, but it makes sense in a leadership where people are like, you know, there, there are groups of people that need to buy memberships. So having, uh, you know, 50, 100 people who are saying, I'm selling memberships, essentially, this is paraphrasing, but I'm selling memberships for this woman. Well, Ganley now has to match that. Now, I, I wouldn't do it in endorsements. Don't, don't do what the other person's doing. But just really make sure that you've got that tracking mechanism. I, I view it as a target. Where are the 100 people in the middle? Where are the next 600 people? Where are the next 1,000 people? And, you know, the furthest reaches of the, the, the target are selling two or three memberships. The ones in the middle, it's like a, a giant pyramid scheme. The ones in the middle, the more you get into the middle, the more memberships you sell. Corey, talk to me about uh, Racky Pantuli, her campaign. What needs to go, uh, what needs to happen going forward after, uh, after this past week? Yeah, you know, um, Strong launch requires strong follow-up, but I ultimately think Stevens nailed it, right? Like it is about making sure that you convert into membership. So uh, has shown, can build enthusiasm. He's got to turn that enthusiasm into memberships. What is, can I, can we speak about that a bit more in like a, a, a more generic way? doesn't have to be about Racky because in some ways everyone's generated a level of enthusiasm for their campaign this week. And they all have that that universal goal of turning it into into mem- uh, into memberships. 
How do you, Carter, in your mind, how have you bridged what, and I'll kind of use different words here, air war into ground game? How have you bridged successful comms, successful branding, successful visuals with memberships? Uh, and, and have you picked up any tips or tricks in recent years that you may not have when, you know, when, when you were running Redford, for example? I'm kind of curious if, you, if you've kind of got Stephen Carter's rule book for turning enthusiasm and air war into a successful ground operation. Or are they two completely different tracks that are left hand, right hand? They just need to know they're part of the same overall body. I'm kind of curious just to get both of your takes on this. If I'm stretching, I would say that the air war will g- give enthusiasm to the ground game. But they are different different beasts like the ground game requires you know, like you have to purse every single day you get a ground a ground team of door knockers or a ground team of people bringing in their membership books or however you're choosing to run your game your ground game um you have to talk to them individually it's all about the individual one-to-one relationships they they don't read the newspaper and get all excited about what you're doing as a campaign through the newspaper. They get excited because they talk to the candidate that day. They talk to the campaign manager that day. They mm-hmm. talk to the volunteer coordinator that day. They talk to someone official. They talk to each other that day. You've create you have to create all this interpersonal one-to-one responsibility. And it's not, oh, I have to be re- I have to sell 10 more memberships because Stephen wants me to. It's I have to sell 10 more memberships because that that guy that I met last week is going to sell 10 more memberships and I want to beat him, right? Like ground game is so unrelated to, to air war. I would, I would have to say go air war all you want, but ground ground. Don't ever lose focus on your, on your ground game. Corey Carter thinks of it. And I, I, I'm just going to simplify Carter's thinking here. Two separate tracks, some relationship, maybe not a ton. Do you think of it the same way? Uh, using enthusiasm and air into ground as you know you, you can't you can only feed so much of that air into into what the ground ultimately needs and requires to be successful yeah well every campaign is going to be different for sure and i think the value of air war is really tied to how much the membership is looking for somebody who can win an air war like i don't i don't want to be too meta but like i think one of the one of the reasons why i I, yeah that's a good i believe that air war has been a focus for some of the campaigns is that they want to look like they can take it to the next level they can take the fight to danielle smith right and so a lot of the polish and the chrome that these campaigns put on there is to say look at me i'm going to be the one who's able to win the next election right now that's true if that's what the membership is looking for. If the membership's not, then I think Air War is of depreciated value. But ultimately, it is still about votes. And it's about, um, you know, locking up the people who can get those votes for you, too. When you think about those circles Stephen was talking about, the people who can sell a thousand memberships, a hundred memberships, those people, like getting them excited about it. And in the early days of a campaign, when people are looking around and saying, okay, well, who do I think, who do I think can give us a shot of winning more generally, you know, that's that's probably what the thinking of the campaigns is. And so if they start to look credible and serious and like they could take the fight forward and to uh, Daniel Smith, then maybe some of those people who say, hey, we're all new Democrats here. I just think this is the new Democrat who's going to get us over the finish line. I think that's a lot of the logic. And I actually think this is an interesting race because my sense is not all new Democrats but I would say a lot of the newer New Democrats, they want to win, right? They're like, okay, what's it going to take to win? 
And a lot of the actions that the campaigns have all taken has been to show that they can win, right? And and so you ask about the value of the air war. I think that's it right now. It's that the people who have not yet chosen a side can look at it and say, that's a winner. That's the team. Mm, Carter, I think that's a really interesting point. Corey, finish off and I'll ask Carter to reflect on that. Yeah, look, I'll just say it is fascinating to me as well when you look at the Pancholi campaign. No endorsements I've seen official online yet, right? There are MLAs in that launch video. There are MLAs reposting this content. And so, you know, I think that uh, it's going to be curious to see what we see from all of the campaigns forward in terms of like drip strategy or just crashing people out the door. Gunnar, this could take an entire hour now that Corey's brought it up, but let's spend a few minutes on it and then let's revisit it. Is there any way you can softly force the ballot box question of what members should be looking for at this moment in time? Or have they, in, in the sense of Corey's question, right, the value of an air war is to see who can actually do a good air war. And by extension, perhaps that's the type of air war we get when we kick Daniel Smith's ass, for example, right? Like shortening that, that, that sort of, uh, that, 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 that logic. Can you force that question upon people if that is your ultimate strength? Like, let's say you're a campaign, you know, uh, that, that has that is going to be like, listen, we've got the most charismatic candidate, probably the most interesting candidate. Um, I'm talking about the Pancholi campaign here of those that have launched, right? And, and can we force members to think of the, that as a question, uh, perhaps making up for some, and I don't know this for, to be a fact, but maybe making up for some softness that we may have on the ground versus Sarah, who's, you know, the, the party insider. How do you get the, 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 the members to think about your frame at this point? Or is that not a today question? That's not how you sell memberships. Memberships don't sell that way. Memberships sell when you, when someone talks to someone and says, I'm working for this campaign and I would like you to buy a membership. You know, I'm working for the Zane Velji campaign. I'd like you to buy a membership for the NDP. Why? Um, well, he's got the greatest, ground, he's got the greatest air yeah. war. His air war is fucking amazing. Um, it just, I don't think that's how you sell memberships. So I, I think that how the, most memberships are sold is because I'm asking you. Yes, the like, one, to your one to one connection. Steven. Yes, yeah. yeah. I'm asking, and you're going to do it. And but there's I, also and at the a, end of the day, you're going to vote for Iraqi, or you're going to vote for whomever. I, I accept that completely, especially when we talk about growth and new membership sales. I guess what I was leaning towards is the base of members, the new new Democrats, as 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 Corey has talked about, that may already have a a uh, understanding of the party, may not be the one to one connection. Uh, may already be part of the either lapsed or existing base of members. I'm talking about them in particular, yeah. Carter. What do you think about them? How do you how do you persuade them to think of the question in a certain way? I mean, you can. I mean, everything is brand politics, right? So, if you want to create a brand that says that you are the uh, the brand that can, um, you know, defeat the 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 UCP. I mean, yeah, I guess a good air war would be a part of it, but I also think that a good you know, the whole brand is the structure. And I guess, you know, if you want to put it, a strong air war as is, is part of that brand, great, go for it. I'm not, who am I to stand in the way of that? But I, I just think that in the overall scheme of things, mm. um, you think your it? brand is probably better defined on better ground. Corey, any final thoughts before we move on? I just think that there's a group of people that 
at the start are going to be looking for these signals, I think the value of air war diminishes super rapidly. And in a month, air war will be absolutely irrelevant. As, It'll be all about ground. As folks move to the ground, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that segment there. Move it on to our over under in our lightning round. Stephen Carter, of course, uh, this is done for you. Um, Thank you. As always, you know, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and, and you seem to be losing you know, a bit of steam. I haven't watched the game yet. Well, you so. seem to be losing a bit of steam. Uh, Taylor I'm Swift, you're going to listen to the oh, podcast first. Taylor Swift, uh, Taylor Swift did make it out on 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 onto the um, uh, for the awards ceremony and uh, did not give a performance. Um, so, for those betting on FanDuel as to whether that would happen, uh, no proposal, no performance. Oh, Carter, fuck. Carter, lost money. Good idea, <laughs> bad idea. A candidate that is opposed to the mayor. I'm talking about Mayor Gondek here. To attach themselves to the recall. Good idea, bad idea? Terrible idea. Terrible or, idea. The, the very first thing you're going to attach yourself, the, your coming out party is a failure. Welcome if you, aboard. Let me, Corey, let me add a bit more color to it. If you want the data, if you want these people, yes, they're not oh. going to succeed on the half a million, the impossible goal that is to recall the mayor. But good idea, bad idea, if you want to be their candidate, in a, in a sense, well, uh, you sure don't want to be the leader of it, to Stephen's point. But if you were somebody who's like, yeah, I came out because I really don't like the mayor. And I'm I'm also going to be catching some signatures for you all over the, the next bit. Hey, hey, Bill, I see you're getting signatures, too. I'd love to have coffee with you, Bill. I guess that's fine. Was that Who was right? that? Was that, that was like that was like Ken Hare mixed with uh, no no that Strathmore. was, uh, that no, was Strathmore, George Brookman that was Strathmore that was... Kent Hare I'm calling that Strathmore Kent Hare right there that works uh, that was that was not my intention I was going for a bit of a like a slow Jimmy Stewart that's what I was well going you got for. Strathmore really? Kent Hare you missed that holy yeah, you missed, shit holy shit you missed that massively uh, wow uh, hey Stephen Carter uh, out of the three candidates who uh, who had the best week three NDP um, launch candidates. Out of the three candidates, like who had the, who has who's 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 that? Like I mean, I, it's hard to say for Sarah. Who had the it's best like last twelve hours, right? So like, but you know, use week as a uh, well a weak definition best. for for. I who, think Kathleen because she got out early. Kathleen Ganley, that's what that's what Carter says. Corey, who 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 had the best best week, best few days, best trajectory, whatever you want to say. Fuck it, it's a I throwaway mean, I guess question. Kathleen Ganley because. If she can get a professional like Stephen Carter to lose all sense like that, I guess. No, it was obviously Racky. What a fucking ridiculous answer by our friend Stephen. <sighs> okay, well, that's... Oh, okay, well, that's... Racky tattooed on your ass or something? Like, what happened? Uh, Is my, it... my arm, actually. You can oh, find out more right about uh, Stephen Carter's email service at fuckthisnoise.ca, <laughs> uh, which is the new uh, Stephen well, Carter... Well, now I have to register. Yeah, it's, it's oh, built on fuckthisnoise.ca. <laughs> Corey, hey, Corey, when's our uh, audit episode coming? Can we actually bring uh, in the I'm auditor this concerned time? Concerned about yeah, it. Can we bring yeah. in the auditor? Yeah. They, for those who don't know, we actually do an episode every year where our auditor uh, looks over our books, and we yeah. do it live because it's part of our accountability, um, yeah. and uh, it actually justifies it justifies uh, the the rates that we charge on the Patreon. Frankly, it justifies why we started the Patreon to begin with. Uh, but we're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode twelve eighty four of the Strategist. My name is Zane Velge. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. And we'll see you next time.